This is the Eric Francis Show, brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Eric Francis Show. Thanks for joining us. Hope you enjoyed listening to the, uh, the Young Stars Classic game, Flames Fall 5-3. I don't get a sense that anybody in Calgary is panicking uh, that the Flames lost all three games at the Young Stars Classic. I may be wrong. I may be reading the room wrong, but I don't think anybody is worried about it uh, at this point. Anyway, I'll, I'll talk to some people inside the organization and find out a little more. Uh, I put out on Twitter uh, about a half hour ago, the Flames, uh, it seems like they're close to signing Brett Ritchie to return for another year. Um, uh, the, the general manager says it's it's not a done deal. He's he's uh, it's certainly not a signed deal. He wouldn't shed any light on it whatsoever. But uh, that's definitely what I'm hearing. Uh, I watched Crest Tanev today skate with the Flames team, and he looked fantastic. Like there's zero doubt in my mind that he's going to start camp. He's going to get the green light after all the official testing is done on Wednesday, and uh, I'd be absolutely stunned if he didn't. Uh, participate fully from the start of camp on uh, on Thursday. So that that's good news for Flames fans as well. The Flames signed Sonny Milano to a PTO this morning. So he'll be in camp to try and fill that left wing spot that has I think management a little bit nervous about. Anyway, we're going to get all the into all these things and more, uh but we're going to start out with uh, our first guest Mark Spector. He's out at uh well, I don't know what hole you on right now, Mark. Never mind, pal. I'm at the uh, hockey at the hockey rink, waiting for the last game of this tournament. Well, well, some less dedicated have gone home early. I'm here till the bitter end, pal. <laughs> okay, fair enough. And, and I know you're gloating because it's the championship game. You know, the two undefeated teams at the Young Stars tournament is coming up between the Oilers and the Canucks, and of course, the hockey world is going to be glued to it. Um, can, you, can you try to describe the uh, the excitement, the how, how pumped people are in Penticton for this? Ah, you know what? I mean, in all seriousness, this tournament, it's a really, the thing they do out here in Penticton, it's really good. Everyone gets a chance to look at all these rookies. All the teams mm-hmm. bring in a couple guys on just little tryouts, maybe that they didn't draft they want to look at. It's great for the town. Anyone who's, you know, Calgarians all know how big Penticton It's not that big. But the hotels mm-hmm. are full and the restaurants are full and the, it's, they've got an absolutely beautiful rink out here that would probably be top half of the Western Hockey League. And they've been getting really good crowds. So as a sports awesome. writer, Eric, it's like it's like training camp for hockey writers. I'm walking around. I'm running into Brad Tree Living. He's got nothing to do here, right? <laughs> so you have a nice long chat with Brad. I, I had a chance to talk with Daryl Sutter. I sat down with my guys at Edmonton Holland and then Woodcroft and I've been seeing Chevy around from Winnipeg. It's a great place to be a hockey writer. I can tell you that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So let's start there. You had a great column with uh, Daryl Sutter. You, you watched a, a period or two with him along the rails. I always think that that's, that's something I learned from watching my, my little guy play. It, the real hockey people never sit in the stands with the moms. They sit along the rails or out behind the, the end of the rink away from everybody else. I'm not sure why that is, but that's clearly the way it works. Tell me what it was like to watch the, a period or two with Daryl. Well, you know, I mean, if, when you're, you know, you're the same as me, we're basically professional interviewers to start with, and then you got to figure out how to write. 
And when you're trying to interview someone, you love it when they're in a happy place, when they're at ease, when they're in no way distracted, when they're, when they're at a, t- a place where they're, you know, they're calm and collected. So I got Daryl Sutter at the top corner of a hockey rink. He's watching a bunch of kids play. The result doesn't matter at all. He's just watching hockey. He's in a real good place. We're talking about the playoffs last year. We're talking about the Flames this year. We're talking about a bunch of hockey things. We're talking about farming. You have to when you talk to Daryl because that's where it inevitably goes. (laughs) And it was just nice. I've known Daryl, Eric, since he played. Like, I covered him when he played for Chicago. I go way back with all the Sutters. So, you know what, talking to Derek, talking to you, you want to get Daryl Sutter in a place where he's very comfortable and wants to have a nice long chat, catch him at a rookie game. I don't think there's a better place to be. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. When, when Daryl's in a, in a good spot, he's so tremendously engaging and uh, sheds light on all sorts of different things. Oh, um, it's, it's, like, it's like, it's like the polar opposite of the podium, right? That's oh, yeah. what it is. It's the polar opposite of the podium. We've all been doing podiums for two, three years or whatever it's been since this pandemic. And guys are looking at a bank of microphones and a bank of cameras and they're guarded in what they say and everything's being recorded. Everything that I've done here for the last five days has been the polar opposite of that, buddy. It's, it's been awesome that way. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? Nobody cares about our situation, but it does translate into better journalism, better reads, yep. better story yep. writing. And ultimately, you can just it's, find it's someone who knows how to write. I'd be in great shape, buddy. Yeah, me too. I don't know anyone, so I'll, I'll keep looking. I'll see if I can find someone. So he's Mark Spector. He had a column today on uh, Daryl Sutter, and he, you know, one of the places you guys meandered through in your conversation was the series against Edmonton. And uh, I found it interesting that he basically looks largely at the fact that the Calgary Flames did not match up with the Edmonton Oilers. He's kind of talked a little bit about that when he was on my show here last week when he was saying that, you know, up the middle is where you've really got to match the Oilers. Just tell me a little bit about what you heard from him in terms of that matchup. Well, it felt like there was two parts. The first thing, you know, he said, listen, we didn't have Chris Tanev. And as yeah. we all knew then, not having your best defenseman, it's, it's a, you know, that's really, really hard. And then, you know, Shillington had an, he was nursing an injury. Uh, Hannafin was nursing an injury. You know, and I said to him, sure, it's play. he says it's playoff hockey. He knew that Dreisaitl was playing on a high ankle sprain, and he still had 15 points in the series. And, and Daryl said, look, he said, even though we had a, our defense wasn't ready to take on those forwards, you know, the guys that we had hurt left us un- unable to handle McDavid and Dreisaitl. I'm not telling listeners anything they don't know. Uh, he also said, their top guys outperformed our top guys. Our top guys didn't get the job done. And listen, mm-hmm. all you got to do is look at the numbers after game one. I'm sure on this radio station, you guys have dissected that a thousand times at this point. <laughs> uh, but Daryl is well aware that the top guys in Calgary didn't play as good as the top guys in Edmonton. And that goes a long way to settling out why it was a five-game series, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I'm curious to get your thoughts because we haven't had you on since this crazy offseason the Calgary Flames have had, do the Calgary Flames match up better against the Oilers now than they would have, say, a year ago? I think so, for sure. I think so, for sure. And, and I, um, I mean, there's two things here. The, the consensus, and there's a ton of scouts here, and I've been talking to as many as I can this weekend, and one of the topics, of course, is, you know, the Flames and all their moves. The consensus is the Flames may or may not be a 111-point team again. 
you know, we'll figure that out. Probably not. But they're a better playoff team. They're, they're already, you know, Kadri's got the chance of Kadri going away in the first round is almost none. Adding weaker makes you way, you know, it's already a good defense in Calgary. It's now even better. And Huberdo is, is just a, you know, he led the league in assists last year. He's a high, high uh, pedigree hockey player. So, you know what, in my eyes, for sure, I've never feared, how would I say this without, I don't want to carve Johnny Goodrow. I, I, Johnny Goodrow pile up points on you. But when the going gets a little testy and rough and it's hard to play and we're in a playoff series and everybody's digging in, I don't fear him as much as I do in October, November, December. And I'll be honest with you about Kachuk in that series. I expected more of him. I did expect Kachuk to dig in and, and provide for the Flames. I did expect him in that series to be a major factor for Calgary to win, you know, to, to take it into a deep series and maybe even win. I was very much, I wasn't surprised by Goodrow so much, Eric. I was quite surprised mm. by Kachuk, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think there's any question about that. People in this city were a little bit surprised, especially after that first game. He had a hat trick, and he was uh, an integral part of that 9-6 win, and then he he, uh, he struggled from that point on. And again, credit to the Oilers for neutralizing him, I guess, but uh, Flames fans certainly expected much, much more. Okay, in terms of more, uh, your team in Edmonton added a player today that uh, I'm sure you're writing about today. I saw some of your thoughts on Twitter briefly about it uh jake bertanen the calgary flames very seriously considered adding him to try and fill this left wing spot that they're a little bit worried about here and they decided not to the oilers decided to do it tell me about uh the risks involved and what the possible reward could be and and your thoughts just overall well there's a couple things here the flames and oilers both as it turned out i think preferred brett ritchie if i'm not mistaken uh, it's my understanding the Flames will will announce a one-year deal for Richie at 800000 The Oilers weren't giving Richie a, a deal. They were offering him a PTO. So, of course, I mean, I don't blame the player. I would, too. He chose the, the for-sure money in Calgary. As long as it goes that way, I'm told that's what's going to get announced here. Yeah. So, you know what? Edmonton's light on right wing, Eric. They're light on right wing. They have enough guys. They lost out on Aston Reese. He went to Toronto. They lose out on Richie's going to Calgary. Uh, they lost out on a player who I, whose name's escaped me at the moment who went to Colorado. There's not many right-wingers out there. They talked like everybody did about bringing in a guy like Vertanen who's coming off of uh, uh, being found not guilty in a sexual assault case that's past summer. He's trying to – he's looking for a second chance. There is some going to be – and there is some blowback in Edmonton for giving this guy a second chance so soon after, uh, you know, being found not guilty in a sexual assault case. Uh, but they've decided to give him a PTO. If he, you know, there's no connect, there's no commitment other than come to camp. We'll give you a couple of preseason games, and we'll figure it out from there. And it's a, you know, it seems to be better Edmonton than here. In that Edmonton's gone through a much more controversial signing in Evander Kane that obviously turned out to be arguably the best signing in the National Hockey League last year. You've already been through that blowback. I have a feeling like. You know, because you've gone through that and it turned out all right, people are putting a lot of faith in this general manager and saying, you know what, we believe in him taking this calculated risk. Well, certainly precedent was set. I mean, Kane had a much longer rap sheet than Vertanen. Vertanen has sort of one scrape on his record. Kane had a lot more than that. 
the other thing people will say to you, Eric, and to the listeners is there is a civil suit pending against Jake Bertanen, uh that was launched this summer. And people will certainly the Vancouver media is telling me that's going to be a huge burden for the Oilers and it's going to be a real distraction. Well, I can tell you this. Last April, while Evander Kane was scoring 26 goals or whatever he had last year for, the, for in a half a season, he settled a civil suit here in April, and it made absolutely, you know, it was about an hour of distraction. So you're right. Precedent said it's, I'm not here to advocate going out after bad guys. That's not what I'm here to tell you. But the courts said that Bertanen was not guilty. I'm not here to, to second-guess the courts. And I don't personally think he's a great player. Uh, I, I think that signing him on a PTO is smart because I, I, I want to see that this guy can play. But in terms of the whole taking a chance on a guy thing, Edmonton just went down that road last year, and you're right. It went pretty well. Evander Kane is probably 10 times the player that Bertanen is, but uh, they made it through, and now they're going to try it again maybe, huh? <laughs> Absolutely, exactly, and and uh, just to go back on what you said earlier, yeah, that's my uh, understanding too. As I put out on Twitter about an hour ago, that Brett Ritchie is on the verge of signing, re-signing with the Calgary Flames. Uh, you, you cited one year, eight hundred thousand dollars. That sounds about right, and uh, they'll probably announce that later today. But it's interesting how you talked about how you know the Oilers were looking at Brett Ritchie and and how the chips fell, and they basically were left with Bertanen as their, their choice uh, to, to join them on a PTO. So uh, uh, lots of interesting uh, developments today. And for those Flames fans who hadn't heard, Flames uh, signed Sonny Milano, uh, Anaheim Duck, to a PTO today. He's 26 years old, left winger. Um, had some pretty good numbers last year in the first half of his season. Really struggled in the second half. So we'll see which, which player shows up in camp starting on Thursday. We're talking to Mark Spector from Sportsnet. Uh, he's at the South Okanagan Event, Okanagan Event Center, where the Oilers and uh, Canucks will play in a little bit here for the championship <laughs> that everybody's been talking about all year. T- tell me about uh, Oilers storylines this year, uh, in camp particularly, and I'm talking about the prospects camp. You know, th- there wasn't really much of interest for Flames fans with the Flames squad. Is there much happening or any interesting developments with some of the guys that are being watched closely in Penticton for the Oilers? Well, I would say to you this, Eric, the one thing the Oilers have and have done right is they've kept their first-round draft picks. You know, they, they've bought their guys out, and they've made some mistakes. Don't get me wrong. But they've managed to, to get through it all and keep their picks. So they're the only team here with four first-round draft picks that are skating in this tournament. Uh, and, you know, one of them is, is um, Philip Roberg, who I'm not even sure why he's here. He's, he's just too good for this group, frankly. He's playing this thing in a rocking chair. Uh, and he will, you know, he's, the, the job is his to lose on the Oilers blue line in top six this year. They, they've got Dylan Holloway here. People who watch the World Junior remember Dylan Holloway. He's also going to have a shot to make the team. He's that young, low-cap hit left winger that every team hopes can make their roster and help because then they don't have to pay a veteran guy more money. So those two guys are here. They got, um, you know, they. I'll be honest with you. Calgary doesn't have a lot of high-end guys here. You know, mm-hmm. they competed. It was a good tournament. All those things. They didn't lose every game by five or anything. In fact, they quite outplayed Winnipeg today uh, and lost the game. But uh, Edmonton has more high-end guys here. They just they have four first-round picks in the lineup, 
And uh, for whatever reason, Ken Holland's dealt away a few second rounders over the last few years, but he's kept his first rounders. And if you want to be a team that can keep her going here, it's pretty important to have that pipeline intact. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Okay. Final question. Just, I know you weren't there to, to cover the flames per se, but you watched a game or two of theirs. Maybe you watched more than that. I don't know, but uh, did anybody stand out uh, or, or, or impress you with the Calgary flames? The guy that the guy that you look at that that's got NHL player written all over him is your goalie, Dustin Wolf. That's the guy yeah. that I thought. You know, it's goofy here. I've covered this tournament almost every year. When McDavid was here, he didn't stand out. When Taylor Hall was here, he didn't stand out. I don't remember if Goodrell played in. I think he did. Yeah. But it's funny. Guys who are like like we just talked about Broberg. Guys who are going to NHL camps and have a chance to make the NHL, they come here just not to get hurt. <laughs> so yeah. I would say to you, the difference is Dustin Wilson goalie. He doesn't have a choice. He can't just play as hard as he needs to play. He's been <laughs> exceptionally good. And when I look at that player, it's kind of funny, Eric, you'll remember this. I remember when the flames had three, three guys in their system, three goalies. I'm going to forget all their names, but one of them was Gillies. One of them was Parsons. Remember mm-hmm. the other guy yeah. was, was it McDonald? I think. It was McDonald. And I remember talking to Brad Kirby and he said, man, we got three guys. One of these guys is going to be our goalie in the future. I'm here. One of these guys has to pan out. And guess what, right? None of them panned yeah. out. And along comes Dustin Wolf. And Dustin Wolf looks like the guy that's going to pan out in the end. He's a good-looking young goalie. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that's good to hear. And, and people here are certainly very excited to get a chance to watch him up close this year with the Calgary Wranglers. Uh, it's a fascinating uh you know, it'll be a very fascinating season to me to, to have the Hitmen, the Wranglers, and the Flames all in town. Uh, people oh get a chance to, to watch these guys and uh, and really get in tune with their AHL club if they want to. And Wolf will be the guy who's number one on that list. And then Jacob Pelche, you know, I don't know how he looked uh, to people live, you know, at the Okanagan Center there, but I, I think that that's another guy who people will be watching very closely in camp to see if he can break through with the Calgary Flames. Now, yeah. listen... I, I want to ask you this. I'm putting you on the spot a little bit, but going into the season, who's your prediction to finish ahead in the in the Battle of Alberta? Regular season here. We're not talking playoffs, but who do you think could finish ahead of who in the regular season? Well, I'm going to say this. I'm I'm going to I'm going to pick Edmonton, but I'm going to tell you why I'm picking Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Uh, who was spread last year? Was it seven points? I think at the end. I think Edmonton Somewhere. had 104 and Calgary 111, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Yeah. Um, Calgary's year last year, they were absolutely healthy throughout the whole year, right? Nobody got hurt. Didn't they, didn't they not lose a man game from a top six defenseman until like the last two weeks or something? Yeah, it was incredible. Uh, top nine guys, only one missed a game. It was ridiculous. Right, right, right. They had COVID all at the same time. So they didn't even drag that out like everybody else did. So <laughs> I'm going to tell you this. The loss of history and averages and, and luck tells me that I'm not saying I'm not wishing anything on anyone here. Calgary's not going to be as healthy this year as they were last year. That's the odds. So I'm going to take their 111 points. I'm going to knock it down to 106, let's say. And I'm going to say to you that the Oilers have younger, more consistent goaltending, hopefully in Jack Campbell, maybe a guy that uh, him and him and Skinner will, I'm going to say the chances of them staying healthy are better than than Mike Smith at 41 years old. Uh, I'm going to say they got Evander Kane all season long. 
And I'm going to say that they're, you know what, they're a pretty good team. You look at the Oilers roster, I don't mind that team much. It's a pretty good team. So I'm going to give them 107 or 108 points. So, yeah, I'll pick Edmonton a couple points ahead of the Flames. I don't think it matters. All I care about is, are they going to meet in the playoffs? I'll tell you yeah. what, I sure hope so. <laughs> uh, here, here. I hope, I pray. We all do. We want that to return. And, and, and you know, I, 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 I can't disagree with you that the tide may turn during the regular season based on injury. But also, I think the one reason why I keep saying the Calgary Flames won't get 111 points again is the fact that they had the best line in hockey last year, bar none, statistically anyway. And, and, and that'll win you 20 games all by itself, just on any given night when maybe the rest of the crew's not going. If you've got you know, these guys scoring at the binge they scored at, uh, they're just going to rack up wins for you all by themselves. I don't think you're going to have a line here this year that's you know, in the top five or ten in the league this year. Uh, no, no disrespect, but I just, I just think that the, the, no, the no. pieces are gone. So there's also, also going to be a, a bit of a break-in period here, right? Nazem Kadri yeah. and Jonathan Huberdeur, they're going to have to figure out some chemistry with whomever they end up playing with. And that stuff doesn't happen. It doesn't have to happen overnight. Calgary's going to make the playoffs. They've got a really good team. They don't need 111 points. But there's yeah. going to be a bit of a, of a transition for those new top six guys. And, and in the end, will that cost you three, four, five points? It just might, right? Over the course of the season, yeah. it just might. Yeah. I do think that defensively, the Calgary Flames will be even better than when they were last year. They were third in the league in goals against. And uh, it's scary how much better they could even be. Yeah, with the centers they had, the center they added, the defensemen they added, uh, it's it's going to be interesting. Anyway, Mark, appreciate your time, my man. I'll let you go. Enjoy the rest of your time in Penticton, and uh, look forward to running into you for Game Two of the season up in Edmonton. All right, man. Thanks for having me. Okay, thanks, bud. All right, there he is. That's Mark Spector. Uh, interesting his thoughts from the uh, Young Stars Classic in the Okanagan. There, he too is hearing that Brett Ritchie. Uh, is very close to signing a deal with the Calgary Flames, as I had tweeted earlier today. Um, it's, a, it's an interesting one. I'm not sure people are totally on board with it, uh, just judging by some of the quick reaction on Twitter. Um, but, you know, they are having a hard time, I think, finding that third-line left-wing spot. I, they don't want to just hand it to Jacob Pelche, and I don't think Pelche is, you know, our, I don't know if he's going to be able to earn it anyway. Uh, and I think that, you know, they would like to see a Milano grab that spot or, or Brett Ritchie. Um, I think people would much prefer Brett Ritchie showed up here on a PTO. No doubt about that. But uh, I think that he had enough clout with the Oilers looking at him, with the Flames looking at him, with some other teams potentially looking at him. I do think that a lot of people, uh, I, I think Ritchie had enough uh, clout to, to garner a one-year deal. We're about to find out if that's, that's absolutely accurate as I've uh, I've alluded to earlier. It looks like a one-year, $800,000 kind of deal, and uh, we'll see if the Flames announce that uh, today or or anytime soon. Okay, things are about to get very interesting. We're going to take a break, and our guest for the second half of the Eric Francis show is Kenny Reed. Kenny Reed cannot get out of the 80s. Kenny Reed loves Ed Whalen more than Anybody loved Ed Whalen, and that's saying something because he was absolutely beloved in this marketplace. I wouldn't be surprised if Kenny brings his good friend Eddie Whale along for the ride, but I will let him decide that. It's an interview with Ken Reed from Sportsnet uh, coming up after the break. 
Uh, and you're not going to want to miss it. Trust me, there's going to be a few chuckles in there, I'm sure, because he's one of the funnier men in our business. You are listening to the Eric Francis Show. It's brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta, live standard bread racing every Friday and Saturday at Century Downs Racetrack and Casino and at Track on 2 in Lacombe every Sunday. Thehorses.com, 18-plus, please play responsibly. We'll take a break. We'll be back with... Kenny Reed, right here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. This is the Eric Francis Show, brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Well, there you go. A throwback. That's the song I remember as a child. My favorite team my whole life. The only team I ever cheered for in sports, the Hartford Whalers, the Brass Bonanza. You've heard it many times on this station. I bring it back today because we're having a little throwback segment here now. Uh, An old Calgary resident, you remember him from A-Channel. He's since gone on to tremendous success with Sportsnet in Toronto. You know him. You love him. His name is Kenny Reed. My friend, are you there? I'm here from A-Channel and Cowboys. Simultaneously, you did partake full-time at both uh, institutions. Yeah. There's absolutely yeah. no question about it. And uh, <laughs> and I was with you uh, most of those nights. Uh, you you were you indeed. Time. Yes, yes, and that's all we need to say. Um, I wanted and to pick your brain. Hello, fans. We are delighted to be back for another campaign of Calgary Flames Hockey. Watch the Flames on 2 and 7. Whatever Calgary scores, we'll be awarding a fabulous prize to a lucky Safeway customer. Live during every telecast. Well, there it is. I, I had a feeling I had to do it. Yeah. that your old buddy Eddie would show up <laughs> at some point in time. Now tell me, uh, Kenny, the view, yeah. I'm, I'm curious, the view from Toronto of the mm-hmm. offseason that the Calgary Flames just had. What, what's was, the view there? Yeah, it was so funny because, it, I mean, it was a disaster at the start, right? Everyone was like, oh, my God. Okay, good. Okay, oh, my God. And then Kachuk, oh, my God. And when for me, when the Kachuk trade went down, I think I was out east of Nova Scotia, and I looked at it right away, and I kind of go, as far as a hockey trade goes, I think the Flames won this deal. And then when they signed Uberdo, I thought, well, they definitely won this deal. And if they can sign Mackenzie Weger. But I think the view from Toronto has kind of been uh, – it's gone from uh, full-on panic to just we're fine again. Like, to me, it's, it's a different team, but it's a very good team. And I, I don't I, – I think people – people here are so Toronto-centric, but I think people were uh, delightfully surprised by what Mr. Treliving pulled off. I mean, talk about making the uber best out of a bad situation. For me, it was – it was anything but a disaster. And I remember the word disaster, I think, was a word you and I used on television maybe right after the Goudreau stuff went down. And, and for me, it's been anything but since. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's been pretty incredible. But, you know, people in this city debate whether the team is better, uh, mm-hmm. actually better than last year, obviously a retool team. But do, do people in Toronto, do you think, uh, see the Calgary Flames as a cup contender like people here do? I think they should. If they don't, I think they're foolish. But then again, this is a town that actually thinks the Leafs are a cup contender. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt. Um, I, I see them as a cup contender. I see Edmonton as a cup contender. Um, 
things look really good in Alberta right now. It, it reminds me of the days when the Flames were deep down the middle with <laughs> Gilmore Newendike and Joel Otto. Okay, so let's go there. Behind the plate, Paplinski. Who is it? I'm fighting with Paplinski. It's uh, it's 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 Jackson. Jackson and Paplinski are Bruja. Like you know, the best thing about Ed was he always had to ask who the players were in the fight when it was his job to tell us. <laughs> and and Gary Dornhofer would just you know. We got a fight behind the plate. McDonald's, Pelly, McDonald's, McDonald and Jackson? It's Poplinski. Poplinski and McDonald. Poplinski and Jackson. What a hero! <laughs> <laughs> my, my favorite. And the, and the best, the other great thing about Ed was the fights would always shock him. He was the no. only guy at a Flames <laughs> Oilers game in the 80s where if a fight would break out, he'd be in total shock that it happened. Yeah. John Davidson no would be like, yeah, that's. Uh, yeah, it's just Kevin Lowe down there is uh, causing a bit of uh, a problem here, Ed. I am disgusted by the antics of Kevin Lowe, who will no <laughs> doubt not go on to a career in the front office when his playing career ends. You know? <laughs> just, just, he's, oh, I thought he's fighting Gary Roberts. Let me tell you, John Davidson, one thing about Roberts. I think toward the end of his career, he'll let his body go and will no doubt go into a life of nutrition. And physical fitness. Uh. <laughs> We're talking to Kenny Reed uh, and at equal times, Ed Whalen. Uh, We're yeah. talking about the Calgary Flames and the Battle of Alberta last year. I know watching the broadcast for you in Toronto, you would just yeah. light up. You'd lose your mind. And Love I was it. doing hits with you. Uh, do you see it continuing, with, albeit with different characters? Kachuk's gone, Cassian's gone. Now everybody wants to believe it's going to be Evander Kane versus Kadri. I see. I love that. He like who's Kadri can be the he can be the Neil Sheehy of the entire exchange <laughs> with McSorley. <laughs> ah, but that's the beauty. Like Kachuk was such an awesome character for the Battle of Alberta, mm-hmm. but now insert and has him Kadri. I love it. I absolutely love it. And I love that last year. I think honestly, the last couple of years. I've never felt comfortable calling it the Battle of Alberta ever since around, oh, I don't know, 1990 or so. Yeah. It just hasn't been. And, you know, when we worked all those years in, in Calgary and when I was there and it was like the Battle of Alberta, I'm like, yeah, but not really. And I would get after our scriptwriters at work. I'm like, it's not the Battle of Alberta. Don't ro- drive, dro- write that. They're like, it's Calgary against Edmonton. But I'm like, yeah, but it's not what it used to be. So I'm glad it's back. And I see – like I like you saying, it's like it's like the old days when, when you know the, the Flames would come to uh, uh, the Edmonton or the Oilers would come to Calgary and you'd be hating on Messier and Tony Jackson, Kevin Lowe, and on all those guys. And now you got Kadri's going to be an enemy, and you got Kane who's going to be a bad guy. Like, listen, if there's one thing we know, everything in real life revolves around professional wrestling, and you need a bad guy. And so the Flames and Oilers each have a bad guy going in, and the and again, who knows who else will emerge as the other bad guys, which is great. It's and and there's people out there, Eric, that'll say, Oh, but you don't you shouldn't be like whatever. It's the game within the game and that's what sells. Yeah. It's it's it, it, the Battle of Alberta, whether it's full of fisticuffs or just yep. hatred that, that doesn't have to yep. break into fisticuffs. It's far right. more entertaining 
when the players are engaged, as are the fan bases. Come on, I mean, just does, you don't need fights, but boy, do I love the fights. And I know you do too, and I know there I are do. people you who don't. don't. I like them when yeah. they're born out of anger or frustration. Right. I don't like them when they're staged. I like them when they come from the heat of a Battle of Alberta battle, which is what happened uh, last year. I don't year. need so, a fight. I don't need a fight. I just need to know that one might happen. If stuff goes wrong, you're going to answer it for the, on it for the ice. And it's so funny how there's so many people, oh, I don't like fighting in hockey. And as soon as it happens, they watch. And then they go and crack down on analytics when it's over and tweet about how awful it was. Well, they were liking it when it happened. So whatever. We got a fight. Who is it? It's Johnny Edwards and, and it's Johnny Edwards and Ray Cote just called up from the Moncton Alpine. Uh, Ray, uh, yeah. Ray Cote is not called up. Ed, Ray Cote. What? Who is that? I don't know, Ed. So, anyway, I, I love that Ed would do that. <laughs> We're talking to Kenny Reed from Sportsnet. Uh, the fan feedback line is open uh, 960 960 if you uh, want to text us and ask a question to either Kenny or if you want to ask uh, Ed something. Uh, it's a rare opportunity yeah. to get his thoughts. And, and I don't know what Ed would think of Sutter coming back to Calgary. Mm-hmm. And I think there are people who wondered – you know, they've wondered this repeatedly throughout his career, wondered if he was able to adjust to today's game. I mean, it's, we laugh about it now because the guy's pretty cutting edge as we see. But, you know, were you at all surprised that he was able to come back again and yet again for like the third straight time be so damn effective right away? Great matchup tonight here at Calgary. One of my favorite original six teams in town, the St. Louis Blues, led by Brian Sutter. From what I hear, nobody else from that farm will ever make the National Hockey League. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's awesome that Daryl's come back and it's, and that a guy like Goudreau, when when oh my god, okay, well he's not going to play well under Sutter. I'm wrong. Daryl Sutter evolves. I mean, like I mean, I don't think he's what a lot of hockey fans think he is. He's a, he's a smart guy who evolves with the game, and he made it work. And I think it's absolutely delightful that an old school guy. Makes it worse work, and I love that feature they did on his farms on Point TV. I, I enjoyed that this year, but I love it that Sutter makes it work, and you know he's got some good dudes behind the bench. Kirk Muller, he'll spend his entire career with the New Jersey Devils. Can never see him leaving. And let me tell you, mark my words, the Penguins should have took him first overall, not Mario Lemieux. Ah. <laughs> know how Ed always hung on the last word, the last yeah. syllable. Yeah. It was beautiful. It was absolutely yeah. beautiful, boy. And you and I were both lucky enough to spend time uh, with Ed, around Ed, and, and watch yeah. him work his magic. It was obviously later in his career when he became yeah. more of almost an ambassador uh, for the city yeah. and for the radio, uh, TV station. Uh, but what a what an unbelievable person off the air. He said things to you off the air, like just when we were sitting around talking, that blew your mind yeah. as well. Oh, yeah, Eddie and Billy Powers, man. If, if I could go back in time. I remember the oh. first time I met Ed in the press box, I was just super thrilled. I went up, I'm like, Mr. Whalen, he goes, I know who you are. You're on the channel, hey. And it was just <laughs> awesome. And he had his popcorn tied around his neck because he's like, last game, I spilt it over the edge. And it was just awesome. So, like, Eddie and Billy Powers, to me, that's what media should be, local guys doing local stories. That was, that was the glory days, you know. Like, uh, I, uh... I love For me that. anyway. Yeah. Uh, hey, no, I love that. It, it, it's all national now. and uh, yeah, it is all national. It, and I'm glad I'm a part it. of the national thing, but I love the local thing, you know? Yeah, I mean, they both do a good job, don't get me wrong, but I just, 
you know, Ed knew these guys better than anybody, uh, or at least he thought he did. <laughs> people, uh, people are uh, texting in. They're loving the Ring of Ding Dong Dandy uh, edition oh, yeah. you brought today. Can somebody wrote in? Can Ed give us a Picto Maripax play-by-play? Oh yeah. Back to the point, David Kwan. Kwan across to Glenn McCulligan. Jalow Gator Johnson scores. Johnson, the greatest scorer in Picto Mariners. Junior C history. Something like that. He goes something like that. Charlie <laughs> Boulevard. <laughs> you know, I sat I down I the other day. Uh, it's a great name. I, uh, I sat down at the Flames tournament with uh, Peter Marr and just had a lovely oh, chat dude. with him. And it's always Maritimer, so good to see yeah. him. Yeah, yeah, that's what made me think of it. You're talking Maritimes, and that's where you're from. And I've been out to your your mom's house out there and everything in yeah. Bristol County, and uh, yeah. absolutely loved it. But it is it is amazing, isn't it, that the two of the biggest legends in this city, um, mm-hmm. the, not that Ed Whalen was from the Maritimes, but these right. two guys are as beloved as any two people that have ever been associated with the Calgary Flames organization. Do you think I've got that right? You absolutely have that right. Um, get to remember, players come and go. Guys like Ed and Peter, they were always there. They were the constants, right? So mm-hmm. Ed was always there from when the Flames came around. Peter was always there from when the Flames came around. So, you know, like they were synonymous with the Flames in the 80s. Like, a young badger, Bob Johnson, let me tell you something. Johnson has gone off the rails, and his invasion of the NCAA ranks for free agents will never succeed. <laughs> Colin Patterson behind the play. You know, I love that Badger Bob went and got all those NCAA. From Bemidji State, Joel Otto. Imagine Ed trying to pronounce Bemidji State on there. That would have been the best. That would have been a good one, yes. Uh, you also knew, as I did very well, uh, Bearcat Murray, and, and, and you and I have not spoken on the air, uh, at least since we lost Bearcat over the summer. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if a certain story comes to mind or just yeah, what comes to mind when I throw the name Bearcat Murray out there because this city just loved him. Obviously jumping over the boards while the play was yeah. still going on. Um, again, <laughs> players come and go. Bearcat was a constant. Bearcat was as much a part of the Battle of Alberta as Poplinski or McDonald or Mike Vernon or Roberts or Neil Shea, Bourgeois, Bullard, Tanella, all those guys. Uh, my favorite Bearcat story, though, was uh, – uh, how can I say this? I was in his presence once when somebody was smoking something a few feet away, and Bearcat yep. didn't know what that smell was. Mm-hmm. So he did not know what that smell was. So that's how clean cut a guy Bearcat was. He would not, I don't yep. think Bearcat would, would adjust too well with, with the legalization of that certain something these days. He'd be in shock. That is one of the funniest recollections I have of Bearcat, too. You, me, Billy Powers, Derek the Body Bidwell. Uh, Tucker, Tucker a handful was there. Tuck was there. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Larry Tucker was there. A whole handful yeah. of us old guys, and we're all out there in uh, – I can't remember if we were in Fernie. I think we were in Fernie. And, yeah, it was BC. Billy, it was by Bootleg Gap. They put us in a condo for the night, I think it was. Something that's like that. right. We were in, in a Vermeer condo. Somewhere. Yeah. And, and Bearcat showed up at uh, at our condo, and someone in our yeah. condo uh, yeah. had produced that smell, and yeah. uh, and um, and Bearcat 
panicked and went into full, you know, like a great trainer would. Whenever there's danger, yeah. whenever there's something yeah. that's, that he's, that's unknown, yeah. he sprung into action. And I'll never forget Bearcat sprinting up the stairs. He was yeah. convinced it was a gas leak. And yeah. now we Remember needed to call the, uh, in the fireplace. He stuck, that's right. the he, he, he stuck his head in the fire. He thought for sure. And, and, and he actually was recommending we call the fire department because yeah. we had a gas leak and he didn't want anything bad to happen to anybody. <laughs> and we had to kind of explain to him, no, that's not a gas no. leak. That is, that is okay. absolutely, that is weed that you're smelling. Yeah. And uh, yeah. we're not saying where it came from, but it, it, it's, nope. it emanated from this building and everybody's safe, yep. Bearcat. We're all going to be okay. Team player. Bearcat was he was willing to put it all on the line. The only thing that was missing were those tight slacks. Let me tell you oh. something. This song is gonna rocket to the top of the charts. Move over, platinum blonde, because you can't touch a flame when it's red hot. Unleash vocals, Mike Fuller. <laughs> what a great what a video, video that is. Who produced this? Actress <laughs> in the brass section, wrecking actress and Gary Suter. Another guarantee here on two and seven. The Calgary Flames will never regret trading Brett Hall. <laughs> oh my God! Rick Walmsley. I could do this all day, as you know. People I know don't, you're not understand here. Whenever we get together, this is what we do. Like you guys are <laughs> eavesdropping to our real lives, as disturbing yeah. as that may be for some people. We apologize. <laughs> we do, but, but we never really do. This is our now, authentic selves. No, Joe Carberry uh, is is, oh, is yeah. also generally a part of that. But uh, people want to ask uh, the fan feedback lines going nuts. Uh, Muck and Singh, uh, Bad News oh, Allen. Yeah. You know, people forget Eddie Whalen was. Well, people don't forget. People remember Eddie Whalen as the face of Stampede Wrestling. Sure. Well, here's what people don't know is like Muck and Singh, when he wrestled in Atlantic Canada as Atlantic Grand Prix Wrestling, he was cousin Mike. And then, then when no. he went to, yeah, then when he went to WWF, he was Bastion Booger. So he oh. was all over the place. Yeah, cousin Mike. And we had Hubert Gallant and Leo Burke was a bad guy in Stampede who used to fight Bret Hart all the time, but he was a good guy in Atlantic Grand Prix. He was the baby face. So Are there you, you telling go. me? That some of these wrestlers hoodwinked the yeah. crowd? I'm telling you. Apparently, some of them thought the, of the crowd as marks. Like, get those what? marks out there. Get their money. Well, my favorite thing about Ed was, I think Ed thought it was real. This is a disgusting display by Bad News Outlet. Let me tell you something about Bad News. He will never go on to the WWF and challenge Hogan for a title as Bad News Brown. <laughs> Ed's weekly sports predictions would have been the best. Let me tell you something about Bret Hart. He will never go beyond the borders of Western Canada to international <laughs> startup. <laughs> Ed, Ed wasn't afraid to make a prediction. God bless him. God There's a bless great him. video of Ed on uh, YouTube where he gets PO'd at the wrestling and he takes the Lord's name in vain. It's the best. Like you can read, read, yeah, you can read his lips as he's going away. It's on, yes, YouTube. Oh. Yeah. Let me tell you something. Bulldog Bob Brown? Yeah, yeah, it's the best. It's the best. Going back to your earlier reference, if people haven't seen the Flames video, Red Hot, oh. if, if you just Google Red Hot and it's a video and it's, it's basically a cautionary tale for today's athletes to maybe mm -hmm. not get involved in 
pop culture, like yep. doing videos or anything like that. It is. And every team did it. Every team did it. Every sport. The cheesiest the, stuff you've ever seen oh. in sport. Oh, the Lakers mm-hmm. had a rap. The, who they think they're going to beat them Bengals. It was awesome. And the, the Flames led the way as far as the hockey world went, as far as I'm concerned. Well, that brass section was untouchable. There was no question about oh, that. I'm thinking, like, right off the top in the brass section, Rick Nackers, uh Gary yeah. Roberts. I'm trying to remember who played bass in the video. Uh, well, Mike, Vernon, Mike Vernon didn't get the lead vocals like Mike Bullard did, but Vernon had a lot of charisma. He had a lot of charisma in that video. And there was a he lot of feathered hair. There. A lot oh, of feathered hair, a nice leather jacket. Uh, oh. I don't know how Natras played any sort of uh, brass instrument without teeth. Like I it was, was going to say, yeah, I think you do. He must have the fakes in for that. I'm going to have to ask Rick. See him around often. Natras, big defenseman. He'll overcome that elbow from that there. You know? <laughs> <laughs> One of the nastiest elbows ever. Oh, the, totally uh, crossing the line for sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, apparently, according to his Flames debut, this man will be the Flames goaltender of the 80s, Pat Reagan. <laughs> uh, we're talking to Ken Reed, Ed Whalen, kind of. uh, Joe Carberry. I don't know. It, it, the, the fan feedback line continues to blow up. Mockett Singh was also apparently Norman the Lunatic. Did you know that? <laughs> Norman the Lunatic, made for a great neighbor. I did not know he was Norman the Lunatic. I had no idea. <laughs> And apparently three years ago, Leo Burke was bartending at the Turner Valley Hotel. This, I love this it. sort of information Leo doesn't come from anywhere else. Right. Exactly. I know Leo is in Calgary. I know that for, for a fact. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do know that. Do you ever run into any of the old wrestlers? Uh, I run into, there's a buddy of mine, Gare Maxwell, who uh, is in the speaking industry now, and he's actually just moving to out to a, Calgary area, and he is the Atlantic was the Atlantic Grand Prix wrestler. I just had coffee with him last week. I run into one of the guys who used to wrestle. He's a buddy of mine. He used to wrestle with the Cuban Assassin, but uh, he was younger than them, so he wasn't a stampede guy. But yeah, and Sweet Daddy Siki used to do karaoke at a bar right down the street from. Him. Other than that, not so much. Uh, <laughs> uh, one of the fan feedback line: How would it sound if Bret Hart put Francis in the Sharpshooter? That just reminds me. Of a yeah. story, I don't know. If, I don't. I think you were gone by then. It was Stu Hart's 80th birthday, and he was delighting the great the great grandchildren in that that wonderful old house that they lived in that they the, yeah. the, the children the, the whole family grew up in. And he's on some big Persian rug in the middle of the living room, and there's this party <laughs> going on around it. And he's putting kids in these wrestling moves mm-hmm. at age 80. He's got a big Stampeders oh, jersey yeah. on with the number 80 on it. And I don't know how this happened, but he got me in some sort of move. uh, And and he was basically begging me to try and get out of it. And the the harder you tried to get out of this move, the more it Mm -hmm. hurt. And to the point Mm -hmm. where my nose started to bleed all over the rug. And and he still didn't relent. Somebody had to, like, (laughs) one of the kids had to come up to him and say, Dad, he's bleeding. You got to stop. And. God. I, that was one of the more terrifying moments of my life. I look back at it now and I laugh, and I laughed that day oh. as well. But oh my story. God! And well, the more blood, honestly, yeah. the more the, the yeah. great grandchildren cheered and screamed with delight. They, they'd all grown up in that culture <laughs> where pain was yeah. a good thing. 
Look at the media yeah. dummy. Look at the media dummy. He had me in the dungeon once, and he put the moves on me, and he did this thing where he's like, and if I just take the bottom of the palm of my hand and I put it against your eyeball here, your eye will pop out. And he hit it on my cheekbone, and I was like, oh, my God. And Helen was like, that's enough, Stu. That's enough. It was so cool. I spent like three hours with Mr. and Mrs. Hart, and Stu took me to the dungeon, which, as you know, Eric, it's like it's not the biggest place. And the nope. stairs to get down at her, like industrial stairs. And that's when he told me my favorite story about the crocodile getting cold in the back of a van that lost its heat going to a wrestling event in Saskatoon, somewhere in Saskatchewan. That was my favorite Stu Hart story, the crocodile. And, and the crocodile had to have a hot shower, and all the wrestlers were mad because by the time they got to the showers, there was nothing hot left, and they had to have cold showers and then sit in the van. It was such a cool story. Like those are, to me... The stories of like guys like Stu and Ed and Billy Powers and our old-time hockey players have to live on as my dog goes nuts in the back. Amazing. So yeah, many great exactly. stories. My friend, thanks for sharing some laughs with me. I hope uh, hope people enjoyed listening to our little our little conversation. Yeah. Uh, Making an idiot of ourselves, yeah. And remember, fans, when you watch on 2 and 7, we'll give away a fabulous prize for a lucky Safeway customer during every live telecast with a flame scargle including the latest from Texas Instruments. <laughs> He's Kenny Reed or Ed Whalen or I don't even, Stu Hart. Joe Carberry. I don't know yeah, Joe Carberry. We'll do that next time. Kenny Reed, my friend, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate it. Hey, welcome See you, buddy. Oh, my God. There he is, Kenny Reed. Thank you for uh, indulging us, letting us kind of relive some of the funnier days uh, here in Calgary. All right. You've been listening to the Eric Francis show. Generally speaking, it's a bit of a magazine show. We do, uh, you know, I I like storytellers and uh, that was a great example of what I love on this radio show. So hopefully you enjoyed it. Uh, We do it every Monday from two to three. Today was bumped an hour because of the young stars game Uh, from two to three. We do it every week. The Eric Francis show is brought to you by horse racing, Alberta live standard bread racing every Friday and Saturday at century downs, racetrack and casino. And at the track on two in Lacombe every Sunday, thehorses.com, 18 plus, please play responsibly. All right. You're listening to Sportsnet 960. The fans stay tuned for more sports talk for the rest of the day. Cheers.